0: So we got Alex Vondahar. What's crackleag in my dude? Dude, I'm super excited to be here. We made the drive in and I couldn't be more
1: happy to be here today. Yeah, man. Dude, how far of a drive was it? About six hours. Six hours? Yeah. That's it? Yeah, it's not bad. I didn't know that, dude. I thought it was like a lot farther. (gasps) Yeah. Nah, <laughs> you could do that in a day. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And go back home. Down and back. Yeah. Are we gonna hang out with some Arate people tonight? Yeah, dude. Is that tonight and tomorrow? Uh, we
0: we're gonna head out
1: tomorrow. But yeah, okay. just hanging out tonight. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna we're gonna have to jam for sure, dude. That's what's up, dude. So, dude, let's get into this. I know we're gonna get super nerdy. Super, that's all right. Yeah. Super tactical. That's your jam. Um, but before we get into that, man, can you just give us uh somewhat of a backstory? Yeah. And how you got to where you're at? And why you're so passionate about it? Totally. So, um, born and raised in Cincinnati, went to school up at uh,
0: the Ohio State University <laughs> for all those snobs out there that want to add the. the. Uh,
1: <laughs>
0: I got my degree in neuroscience and in, in, uh, psychology, and I had a near death experience my senior year, and it totally shifted the trajectory. I was going down what's called psychopharmacology. So, how different drugs, illegal or legal, however you want to classify them, affect the behavior of our bodies, our brains, what that interaction looks like. And after that experience, man, I really kind of woke up to figuring out what my true purpose was. And for years after that experience, I was chasing that sensation of death again, mm. not doing like crazy shit with it, but like meditation, flotation therapy, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I was trying to figure that thing out, trying to chase whatever that was. And I found it in float tanks. So I, <laughs> I ended up floating so much. And the guy that I was training Brazilian jiu-jitsu with actually owned a float center, So I got in, him and I were jamming and he cracked me real hard in the ribs one day when we were doing Muay Thai. And he was like, dude, you just need to come like train and like relax, like, like come relax, just float however much you want until you start feeling better. And I got in there and I found that sensation again. I was like, oh shit, like there's something to whatever this thing is. So I was like, dude, I need a job here because there's no way I'm going to be able to afford this thing retail like every day. And I want to float every day for like years to come. So that's exactly what I did. Got a job working literally minimum wage for 18 months. And during that 18 month period, I learned digital marketing because he needed it. We were literally about to go bankrupt as a business three months after I got hired. And during that process, I started to pick up, I ordered Billy Jean's course. I did nice. a few other people like Douglas James. And I started looking at, you know, how, how in the world does what's going on with ClickFunnels and Facebook and Instagram and all this other BS, this is like 2015 before it really like shot up. Yeah. And what I got was
1: 2017 when it really yeah, started. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So we started scaling and, and 18 months, I brought them from a hundred thousand in debt to 2.2 million in sales using Facebook and IG. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> <Probably> nasty, right? <laughs> so we got going with it, man. And even after all that success, even after working my ass off, making minimum wage, being essentially as a tank wipe and a, a secretary for people that were pissing in these pods and in these showers, cleaning it up. I I couldn't take it anymore. I couldn't take making minimum wage, bringing this other guy all this money. And I'm watching him. He's driving a new BMW every year. He's got a new Land Rover for his mom. And I'm like, fuck, dude, like I can't even afford dinner. Right. Like, like what in the world is going on? Like, how is this not working out? Right. I've I did the good boy route of school. I did what all the educators said you have to do in order to be successful and it wasn't working. Mm. And during that time when I was learning digital marketing, I was like, dude, this is everything I just learned in all my psych and neuroscience classes around how do we create behavioral patterns? How do we take and hijack systems and behaviors to modify them to what we want, right? But they use it in this context of counseling. But it's the same context for business. It's looking at the human behavior, figuring out where your business or product or service overlaps with the habits that they already have, and then starting to stack and deconstruct those in ways that we want. Mm. And that's when I really started to dig into the field of neuromarketing. Really not popular. There's a few universities here inside the States that actually teach it as a degree, But once you're done with it, most of the time, those people get picked up by big tech companies right away. And I knew I didn't wanna work for somebody else. I tried that, I tried that fucking path, that didn't work. I was like, if I'm gonna do this, I have to do it for me. So I tried door-to-door sales in the meantime, after I quit, so I got real pissy with him one day and I just, I flat out left. And uh, I tried door-to-door sales for three weeks, I got run off the road by a car, broke my glasses, covered in mud, head to toe, it was raining outside. I call my boss. I was like, dude, I need you to come get me. Like I'm literally covered in mud. Nobody's going to buy shit from me covered in mud head to toe. He's like, you're going to figure out a way to go out and sell the rest of the day.
1: Oh, you
0: motherfucker. Like, of course. Right? right. So I get out there, I sell the rest of the day. And honestly, that was my best day in sales. Mm. and because i was making a joke out of it i was being lighthearted with people when i walked up to their door like yo i'm usually not covered in mud i promise <laughs> but what i am here to do is not shake mud on your porch but to check your energy bill to see if we can stop you from burning those dinosaur fumes and get you <laughs> onto some green energy bro that's some someone <laughs> right there bro so after a few weeks of that uh me and the guy that was running it because it's a, those are essentially mlms right they bring yeah. you in they try to build you up you start your own thing and then they just move forward I was like, dude, this isn't it for me either. I have to go back to what I know I'm good at, which is leveraging psychology and leveraging digital marketing. But I learned so much during that sales process. I was like, oh, we like we can do this. So Mm -hmm. I had 500 bucks in my bank account. Started out, and that was January 1 of 2018. I made that decision. We opened up, got our LLC filed, and ever since then, we've been running Hidden Falls Media, which is
1: the premier neuro marketing agency <laughs> in the world. <laughs> the. <laughs> dude, I fucking love it, dude. It's a high energy and fucking really, dude, how, how, how the whole process just played out is fucking crazy by one but i love the story of especially turning that perceived oh shit i got mud on me to a strength and hey using that as an advantage to shake the pattern and get get people's attention make them laugh yeah yeah man that's what's up dude life happens for us not to us amen and i've that's learned fun. that so
0: many fucking times throughout <laughs> this journey with that it's everything
1: amen so before we even get deeper on this i, I wrote something down because you were saying some stuff that's like totally off topic but i want to go deep on it you mentioned brazilian jiu-jitsu and float tanks or whatnot dude i was in a room on clubhouse uh like a week or two ago and Ty lopez is just like have you ever heard him talk <laughs> kind of <laughs> yeah <laughs> I used to not like the guy until because of the whole the Lamborghini stuff. Yeah. But I was like, they're smart though. But then I get to hear him talk, and he's like one of the smartest people I've ever talked. Like I could, I was sitting there just listening to him for like two hours, and he's just talking. It's just him talking in a room full of thousand people. I'm like, dude, this guy is fucking smart. But anyways, he was talking about. Uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu he's like hey you want to fucking get hurt he's like you and he's saying like how that's such a, it played such a huge factor in his growth was mm-hmm. Bra- Brazilian jiu-jitsu and um and uh, cold water therapy or whatever whatever what is that shit called cryotherapy cryotherapy yeah Yeah.
0: so we had one of those big tanks too and inside my instagram you can see some videos of it of me walking into this big fucking chamber that's about half the size of this room oh wow they just pump it full of uh, liquid nitrogen so it steams (laughs) up and turns into air in there but it drops to negative 200 degrees while you're in there, while you're in there for like Holy three minutes, it's awesome, dude. You come out. I've got because you can put music in while you're going. So I've got like hardcore, post-hardcore
1: music in there, and I'm just like jamming out while <laughs> I'm freezing. <laughs> Holy fuck, dude! dude it's, what's going through your mind when that's happening? Because I did ice baths and like, yeah. that you know you, you, gotta, you gotta you gotta be a little fucking crazy for <laughs> this shit, right? You know, yeah.
0: <laughs> that's the whole thing that's going through the mind, man. Because it's the only thing at the end of the day we can control.
1: Mm. Mm. In and out. Yeah, <laughs> that's powerful, bro, because, like, I'd noticed, like, I've been, all I until recently, I've been a really horrible meditator. Mm-hmm. Is that even a meditator? Is that a word? Sure. Okay. Whatever you <laughs> want to make it. out of it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, man, I've been getting a lot better lately because I've been practicing, but it, what's helped me is, like, what you just said is that... And you say I, I say to my mind like breathe in and then I say breathe out and I'm just focused on the breath and it helps me from not getting distracted by the million fucking thoughts that are wanting to come through my mind. And then some will, but then I'll just bring it back with the breathe in. Yeah, you know it's fucking awesome. And that's the same thing with
0: float tanks and yeah. it's the same thing with jujitsu. Man, somebody gets you and they're choking you out. It feels life and death when mm-hmm. you're there, but it's not because they're there and we all know what the circumstances are and we're we're here to learn. And the best thing that my instructor ever taught me was no matter how much you panic, it's only going to make it worse. Mm. The only thing you can do is you can breathe and start to think your way out of the situation or you'll panic, your heart rate will elevate, you'll make a
1: mistake, and then you're really screwed. (laughs) (laughs) So you might want to calm the fuck down and think. (laughs) Yeah, you might want to just chill. (laughs) So man, let's fucking segue into this neuro marketing. That's, that's the term for it, right? Yeah. Okay. Let's segue into this. Explain to me the general concept of it.
0: Let's look at what marketing is first and how we define marketing. And I think it's the best definition, not egotistical, but overall (laughs) from like, I think marketing is a game of memorization. If we can get people to memorize who you are, what you do, you serve them and what products you offer that help them in their life we're winning the game of marketing yeah right everybody wants to overcomplicate what it is how we do it how we get to the results right how do you get the 500 ross on an ad set level right we can get there we can talk about those strategies but at the end of the day if your customers don't memorize who you are and what you do you're just wasting money Mm. You're not spending it on good things. So we think about marketing as a game of memorization. And when we come from that foundation, what we can really do is get our clients to really start to engage differently with lead magnets. We can get them to engage differently with our social media content. We can get them to buy into the macro mission, right? What's that far destination that we're going to that we see as the li- as the leaders, the visionaries, the people that are driving the bus, right? Even at times we don't know if we can see five feet in front of us, we know we're going to get there, right? It's hard to explain that to a customer. It's hard to get them to buy into that. So if we can get them to memorize certain key features and qualities and characteristics about the business, it grabs onto them in different ways. Mm. So when we look at this, we're looking at things like the six human needs of certainty, uncertainty, significance, growth. With contribution, love and belonging. We're looking at the different sensations that our bodies are built and equipped with because those bypass the prefrontal cortex. They go straight to the emotional center of the brain first, more before they go into the other side of the logic and reasoning to interpret what those sensations mean, right? We'll touch a hot stove a few times, but we won't do it very many, right? Because those
1: pathways,
0: right? We learn real quick. We're amazing at adapting and learning, but it comes with sensation first. So there's some really interesting things. I'd love to get into a few of the different ones. Um, I brought you a sheet and I'll let you kind of pick through the ones that you want to go through so we can make this a little bit more dynamic
1: fuck yeah and before we do that does do you think that's where that term that that cliche that quote of uh pain is the greatest teacher comes from Mm, something to ponder about
0: i'd rather have somebody else's pain be my greatest teacher
1: (laughs) let's uh let me me hit you with that yeah so let's dive in dude all right so let's
0: make this a little bit interactive do you want to do precision pricing decoy products and pricing we've got uh, adding high-end products inside your business using all five senses. We've got the price of a smile, 10 words to build trust, and
1: reward versus reciprocity. Man, the what was the high-end, adding high-end? A- adding a high-end product. Yeah, that... Huh? And what was the one right after the smile? The 10 words to the build? 10 words that build trust. I want to hear that. All right. Soon. I
0: was jamming on that one on clubhouse earlier today for our yeah. neuromarketing marketing calls that we Oh do. So it's fresh. Oh dude, yeah. that, that one's awesome. Yeah. But we can totally start with a high end product. Um, You know, I talk a lot inside of my IGs about uh, decoy products and how we see those play out. Um, One of the most common ones that we see is like, I see it all the time with toothpaste and shaving cream. And it drives my girlfriend nuts when we go through like grocery stores and shit or like, like big box retailers. So I'm like, oh, there's decoy pricing. There's decoy marketing, right? Like they're trying to get you to buy the next thing up. The biggest place you can see this is inside of movie theaters, too, with like the popcorn and the sodas that they do and anchoring with pricing. And that's a lot of stuff that marketing agencies should do and they should talk to their clients about. But they just don't, Mm. which is so strange to me. Like, why in the world would you not talk about the psychology of why your customers are coming to you and buying or and or not buying your product? So looking at it from a high end perspective, at one point, so I, I want to give this example because stories sell and facts tell, right? right. At one time at Williams-Sonoma, they had a, a bread maker that was $275, okay? And what they ended up doing was they ended up adding a larger capacity one by 50%. So they just increased the size of the bread maker and they didn't sell any of the more expensive kind, but the sales of the cheaper ones skyrocketed through the roof to the point where they couldn't keep them in stock. And it ended up becoming one of their highest selling items. And, the re- and it gets you thinking like, what the hell, right? Like why in the world would incre- or putting a bigger product next to the smaller one increase it? Because, and we see this with restaurants too, right? They'll add a filet and steak or a filet and lobster on the menu at the top, right? So when you look, and they'll put that at like 80 bucks. So when you look at the steak individually for like 50 or 60, you're like, oh shit, that ain't that bad, right? It's the same thing that (laughs) they're doing in there as well. It's exactly, it's a decoy marketing tool. And it's the same thing with adding a higher end product inside of your business as well. One, you don't know if somebody's actually going to want to buy that because they very well might. We tried it within our business just to throw out a $30,000 package one time just for shits and giggles and people fucking bought it. Mm. And I was like, what? In the, like, why? It's the exact same service that you could get somebody else for $1,500 to $2,000, except we threw in a bunch of other value adds in the process and we made the customer experience just absolute top level. It's the same thing with the Williams-Sonoma bread maker we're talking about, right? They added the capacity just to make it look bigger and fatter. It did the exact same functionality of the smaller one. But by adding that extra 150 or 200 bucks to that one bread maker, the other one that was already, you know, 200, 300 bucks skyrocketed through the roof because they said, well, that's ridiculous, but that seems reasonable now.
1: hmm yeah let me ask you this dude do you think because because i know all about the decoy effect but i wasn't trying to use it when i did it but i think i did all right <laughs> so it was like kind of a mind fuck right there with we just added uh some new services one being my consulting package which is ten thousand dollars for two hours and there's not like an ongoing thing it's like no two hours ten thousand dollars we'll sit down if you want to do it again we could do it again but that's and then we just map out your entire marketing strategy using your podcast as a tool right and when we added that we also rolled out our our mastermind and the mastermind is 2k a month 24 dollars for the year but we also talk about hey you're going to get 100 grand we're going to help you produce 100 grand from your podcast by the mm. end of those 12 months and 10K downloads. And I think that comparison was like totally because we put out one fucking post and the mastermind sold out. It's like, it's been at capacity and it's like one fucking Facebook post off of that. Yeah. And I think I don't know. I think that could have had it.
0: You anchored. Mm. right? First of showing, Hey, I'm willing, we're putting out a $10,000 package. So there's perceived value attached to that. And that's really what a lot of people buy. When we, I talked about the six human needs earlier. Right. Mm -hmm. And I noticed this when I was working at the float center as well, people would come for significance more than they came for the actual novelty or uncertainty of the experience, Mm. because what they wanted to do was go back to their friend group and say, "Hey, Hey, I just tried something that you've not tried. I just sat inside of a cryo tank that you've not tried. Kind of like how Clubhouse is doing right now with their invites. Exactly. It's the exact same process. So once we understand that there's really not a lot of these tools and tactics and nobody has the fucking secret sauce, what it is, is it's the same thing, just repurposed and reboxed. Mm. Copywriters are great at this. They'll take the same, it's the same product, but they'll come up with 500 different names for it (laughs) to make you think that it's something new and exciting.
1: Mm. Yeah. Dude, I could tell, I, I, I'm just going to take a stab at it right here, but I think, it seems like you re- either you would either definitely really enjoy these books if you haven't read them yet, but it seems like you read them too. Two books that jump out at me, Influenced by Robert Cialdini and Contagious by Jonah Berger. Both of them are amazing. Yes. Talk about a lot of, remember when Jonah Berger, when we he's talking about that bar where you can only get into it through a secret door in the phone booth and it mm-hmm. made it exclusive and like a thing and everybody yeah. started talking about it. That shit's fucking.
0: The scarcity is real. Yeah. Look at what happened with 2020 and Corona and toilet paper and Purell. Yeah. It's fucking crazy, right? <laughs> right? Scarcity. We saw toilet paper go for $350 on, Am- or on, on uh, eBay. Yeah,
1: that's crazy. Scarcity is real. That's crazy, dude. And
0: the same thing like you were saying with your podcast group, right? There's only so many slots. Mm. I've anchored. I've created scarcity. Now I'm really driving. Yeah. My marketing's effective at that point because we're bypassing the logic side of the brain. There's FOMO right? I don't want to miss out on that opportunity, right? There's this idea of scarcity attached with it as well. Hey, there's only so many slots. Oh, and by the way, he typically charges $10,000 for two hours, but I get how many hours out of the year out of him and it's only 2,500? Hey, shit, that sounds like a good deal, right? Like, (laughs) yeah. This is how we start to add these things up, and this is why adding a high-value ticket item inside of your service-based business or even a product-based business can drive wonders. Because we're we're attaching ourselves to all these different things that are just so deeply embedded into
1: us as humans, it's impossible to ignore them. What's the tactic called? It's a it's a multiple tactics that are being used. I, I can't remember the names for them, but I use them myself all the fucking time in my coffee. Where. You do the anchoring where you you talk about the the high price, right, and then you also throw in all these bonuses and you talk about the value that they're gonna get, right, and then so it stacks it up even higher. So it's like twenty thousand, like this ten thousand dollar package plus this other two K thing plus this other five K thing, boom, 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 and it stacks it all up, and then it's like twenty K, and then you hit them with the old. Sham! Wow, you're not gonna pay
0: twenty thousand, <laughs> not ten thousand.
1: No, not even today. You're not even gonna pay five thousand today. When you order, you're only gonna pay nineteen, and you use that minimizing word "only 19 Yeah, all those shit. Like, dude, they may as well just call that the QVC effect, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's what it's called. <laughs> yeah, I don't know yeah. if
0: that's what they call it. That's what we're gonna call it because that's exactly what it is. QVC yeah. built a whole enterprise off of that exact idea paired up
1: with engaging content that's specifically driven to a target audience yeah yeah dude see man it so what are some of those what is that do you know is that what you were saying the qvc where you do the like the pretty much the sham wow thing Mm -hmm. the qvc the fucking yeah you're, you're not gonna it's like using anchoring and then stacking all this value value adds. yeah yeah it's like It's genius, though. It fucking really works. And then if you really want
0: to drive people crazy, say, you know, over time, we're going to start taking some of these things away
1: Mm, because I don't want to lose what you're trying to give me. Yeah. 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 Ooh, dude, I got to take a note on that shit. Dude. So what's one of your favorite? You asked me which one I wanted to pick. I wanted to do that one and add the, I want to know about the 10 words. All right. All right. So
0: before we get into my favorite, we'll do the 10 words that build trust. Okay. All right. And I, I always butcher her name and I am so sorry if you were out there listening. So this research comes to us. Uh, this is out of the Journal of Advertising. It comes from Fawn Lee and Paul. And this is where I always screw up his name, Miniard. Um, but the article is called... On, on the potential of advertising to facilitate trust in advertising brands. So this was back uh, by Cornell University when they did this research study. So do you believe that if I told you one sentence that we could increase your pricing rates by 7%, increase your perception that your audience cares about you and you care about your audience by 11%, that they would feel that you are treating them fairly as an increase of 20%, that the quality of the product is perceived to be 30% greater and that they perceive you to be thirty three percent more competent off of a single sentence. What do you think that's could be, bro? That's
1: fucking powerful. If if that shit's legit, I mean, it's, it's backed by research, dude. My whole brand is built on being real. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Just fucking be real. You know, and, and I don't even use the word authentic because I feel like it's so fucking stupid. I hear, I hate <laughs> the because Everybody fucking says it, right? But um, but yeah,
0: no. Let's hear it. You can trust us to do the job for you. That's that's that word right there, that phrase. But if you think about it, I didn't mention price, didn't mention quality, didn't mention turnaround time, didn't mention any of the things that people typically get caught up in. And it almost should go without saying that if you're going to pay me to do something for you, that it should be done and that the job's actually going to happen. Right. But I mean, think about this. They did this with within the automotive industry is the main area. They tested this out, but they've done it and they've done uh, follow up research in other industries as well. Each industry's differs a little bit on the exact percentage, but it's all around the same plus or minus a few percentage points. But clearly the implication of this is massive. So what we started doing with all of our clients is we started putting this right before we did the testimonial section on their website. And this results started to skyrocket, Zach, because look at where we're pairing that inside of a customer journey. If If you've got good copy and you're bringing people on a journey through your website and you hit them with a phrase like that, if you can trust us to get the job done for you, at first it's kind of like, well, yeah, you should automatically do that. Well, marketing is a game of memorization mm. what do you want them to memorize about you what do you want to be memorable for not necessarily the price right because price we all know is just like a number and a stat it goes in and out real fast we remember the experience and if the experience is hey i'm going to get the job done for you and you can trust us to do that straight through the roof so Dude. we paired that right before the testimonial section or like the clients we've worked with because then i'm stacking a powerful statement that's built on trust right next to other brands that have trusted us to do the job for them.
1: Dude, that's fucking genius. I'm writing this down. Dude, I'm like, <laughs> <for laughs> literally taking notes on this shit. I'm going to start implementing. Question. Yeah. So you can trust us to do the job for you. What if you're a one-man band, like some some of the underdogs on this podcast might be getting just getting started and they don't have a team. Can you say you can trust me to do the job for you? Sure. Okay, awesome. And the
0: biggest thing, you went back to authenticity, and I'm right there with you. It's so overplayed and overused, but it's being honest. Mm, right and with that as well if you're a one-man band that provides you so much power because you can you can tell people look you get all of me right Mm. like you get everything that i know that i'm capable of of performing like all 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 of it all all of it all of it (laughs) (laughs) right but you don't have to hide behind the fact that you don't have a team Mm. let that lead and be like look like when you work with me it's one-on-one you don't have the distractions of me trying to manage a team you don't have the distractions of everything else that goes with building an empire i'm all in man let's do it let's make this thing work that's so powerful especially for coaches right Saying, look, when I'm with you, I'm all in. Like, I'm not worried about all that other stuff. It's just you and me, baby. And we're going to fucking work. And we're going to work.
1: Bro, so since we're on this topic, um, I feel like it plays right into this. You could trust us to do, do the job for you. I've always found, that's why I built my brand just on being real. Because I found when, and I call it the I, I call this the slim shady principle, right? <laughs> but when you fucking talk shit on yourself and you call your flaws out, like for one, you're being real and then people appreciate that about you. And it, so many, I think, I think people don't are afraid to do this and talk shit on themselves whenever they're wrong or whatever, because they feel like that's going to be like, they'll be outcasted from the tribe. And oh no, I'm accepted. not the expert. I'm yeah. not the expert anymore. Oh yeah. shit. Yeah, exactly. But dude, that's like the, for me, I, that's been like my secret weapon, dude. Yeah. Cause it, dude, I, I literally, I call myself out when I fucking dude, like you talk about fucking getting scared and shit, dude. I, I teamed up with a guy and he had he had this program that did 20 million in revenue, over 20 million in revenues, had over 1,000 successful graduates and it was on lead gen customer acquisition and scaling a business. However, at the time, I'm broke as fuck, right? And I'm sitting here trying to learn what i'm teaching by teaching it which was ass fucking backwards you know what i'm saying and we were actually getting people in because it was legit shit right but but i felt like a sleazeball i felt like an imposter i felt like a fucking dirtbag and so i literally made a post on facebook and called myself out on this to say hey guys look this is what we're doing, but it doesn't sit right with me. I can't do this shit anymore. I'm pulling the plug on it. I'm going to go back to fucking earning 200 to $800 a month through the affiliate income on my podcast, which ain't shit. I'm going to figure something out and I'll come back to the marketplace when I'm ready. Dude, that was so fucking nerve wracking getting yeah. before I made that post, but I was like, I got to fucking do it. Like, this is this or whatnot. But, but that. Yeah, it, it, I'm kind of going off tangent, but it, it, it was liberating because I got to keep it real. It built a strong fucking connection. But, dude, you know, I can't tell you how many people were like, Dude, that's a breath of fresh air. Much respect for what you did, man. Good shit. I'm going to be following your journey. Boo, yeah. Boo. Yeah. I feel, like, I feel like, man, that there is fucking powerful more than anything else. Well, I don't say more than anything else, but it's pretty fucking powerful.
0: Life's long, man. Yeah. Especially with social media. Yeah. It follows you. Like, it's it's weird. And it's, I am mean, so how old are you? I'm, uh, I had to think about it. 32. <laughs> All right. So there's a five-year difference between us. Look at what's happened in social in the last five years. Yeah. Bro. <laughs> five years from now, where's it going? Yeah. More audio. It's passive, yeah. right? Clubhouse is proving that, that we want passive information to come to us so we can work. We can do other things while consuming and still building our following, building our influence. Yeah, dude. Yeah. It's where it's moving. As much as people hop on Gary V, he was fucking right about the fact that it's going to be
1: audio. Yeah. He was right about a lot of shit. <laughs> For real, I mean, he's what's his thing that he he's been saying the last couple of years is like I'm historically right or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta love it, dude. <laughs> he's right though. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> he was historically right. You gotta give it to him. I love this though. What you said, that what I thought was a gem was putting it right before the testimonials. Yeah, that's smart, dude. Yeah, that's just fucking smart, dude. Like like so like I get into some shit. Like, I learned this from uh, Mitch Miller when I was in his mastermind. But um, little shit like this, just that little thing right there goes a long way. Like I do the, uh, did I tell you about the Trojan uh, sandwich strategy that I learned from Mitch Mueller? No. (laughs) He's a really fucking dark, sick-minded motherfucker, but he's (laughs) a good dude. Become a jelly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So this strategy, dude, and you'll notice, you'll see me anytime. Like I run an offer about every two months or Mm -hmm. so on Facebook. And every time I'm running offers, I do this every time. Uh, and I even took what he taught me and added my own flavor to it, and I'll share that part too. But um it's it's so on Facebook, this works really good on Facebook. It may work on LinkedIn. I don't know, I haven't done it anywhere but Facebook. It's where where I've done all the organic shit at, right? Just an organic Facebook post, but you already know how pretty much almost all the algorithm work, all the algorithms operate is. They want to keep you on their platform, so they're going to show their best content. So whenever you put a post out, if the platform's mature, like Facebook, they show it to a percentage of your followers. And if people don't engage with it, they kill it off because they say, oh, people aren't engaged and we're done with it. And if a lot of people respond to it, they'll show it to another percentage and then keep going, right? Stack. Yep. Yep. So the whole concept is first, because when you make a sales post, it typically gets very low engagement because it's designed to get you to take an action. And then also other people just act weird whenever you make a sales yeah. post and they don't want to support it for some reason. Uh, not everybody, but some people. So the whole, the the, the sandwich is this. The, the first post is a social proof post backing up the offer. Mm-hmm. And then the next post is the actual offer that gets the low engagement that doesn't, you know, it doesn't get shown to all the people you want to see it. And then the third post is an engagement post, something that you know is going to get high engagement. What happens when you got a high engagement? People are creeping your profile. So what they come and see is they see the high engagement post is the first thing they see. They scroll down, they see the meat of the sandwich, which is the offer. They scroll down, they see the social proof that backs it up. your rubber band effect. Yeah, it fucking yeah. works, bro. Every time. Dude, I fucking... And, and, and dude, so like, you know, once you, you learn, you know, what's it, what's the, uh, adage or the, the, the cliche, whatever it says, uh, learn the rules first and then you become a master and then you can break them and kind right. of play with the rules and shit. Yeah. Pretty much that. So like i have done that since the beginning of 2019 over and over and over again. And then I started just like building out a whole entire campaign. I made a video a training video all of September All of it was positioning and it was all just documenting all the cool shit. I documented how we got this office space and like showed like how we progressively built it. Each room, the upgrades, the signs and all this shit, all that social proof backing up that we know what the fuck we're doing when it comes to podcasting. Plus, we brought on three team members. I'm showcasing that shit. Plus, we rebranded the company. I'm showcasing that. Plus, I'm throwing out a fucking offer where all this (laughs) buzz and hype is going on. I'm just using all this shit um, in there. Is that neuromarketing, by the way? Which part of it? Any of just it? Just stacking offers, like like the positioning part, or?
0: Um, I mean, that's just good marketing practices. More okay. than you're trying. At the end of the day, one of the things you're really good at is you're good at connecting emotionally with your audience. Mm. And from following you for now, what two and a half, three years? I think we've known each other. Going that's through crazy. this, I know our taste <laughs> is a crazy ride all in itself. But the way you've learned to write. And the way you've become a really good copywriter and the time that you took to invest into that skill set pays off because you know how to emotionally connect with your audience. Mm. And that's good marketing. That's what all marketing should revolve around is how do I connect emotionally? What, so a few points you brought up there is selling inside of your audience and people really don't resonate well with that. The reason being is that we're so, we're so bombarded by just bad bad social media posts with it, dude. (laughs) Amen to that dude. It's too much bullshit. It's disgusting. Like if I go on your, so if I go on your Instagram, right. Cause we have this group that we're doing, we're doing a hundred day content challenge. Um, so the idea is that if you post consistently for a hundred days, and it's paired up with fifty points of contact to other people, so you're building conversation, you're building engagement, then your your numbers are naturally going to grow. It's not rocket science, right? It's just the way social platforms are supposed to be used. But everybody thinks if I post a picture of my pizza, of my wings, of my of my flowers, or w- whatever you sell, right, that all these orders are just going to start flooding in and. Then they get disappointed and butthurt when it doesn't and you're like, Well, dude, you didn't you didn't do anything. Yeah, you you didn't you didn't warrant you didn't warrant any type of relationship and you're running your social media pages like a fucking classified ad. Yeah. Nobody want, or when's the last time you bought off of a classified ad?
1: I don't think I don't ever. <laughs> yeah. Ever.
0: Right? So why in the world would you run your social media page like that where it's out there forever? At least with a classified ad, it gets burned up or put inside of the garbage <laughs> can pretty fast. Like that shit is out there until you go and delete it and you better pray people didn't take screenshots (laughs) of it in the process so it's the way that i think you do it is amazing because you're stacking value you're stacking entertainment right when we look at the three pillars of content we have entertainment education and impactful content the best way i can describe impactful content for those of you that don't know we've all seen the videos of like the Marine or the army guy or this or the, uh, you know, somebody in the military comes home and they do the surprise reveal that they're home. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, like all the girls are in a little huddle. They don't see the big brother behind them. Big brother comes into the room. And one of the other girls that's standing across from her starts covering her eyes and crying. And the girl's like, what the, what the hell are you doing? Then she turns around, she's freaking out. She runs over to her brother. They start hugging There's sad piano music in the background playing. You're crying. I'm crying. Shit. Everybody that's watching the video <laughs> <He's> is crying. <laughs> it's impactful content. It's touches something deep within us and that's truly great impactful content and showing your journey is so impactful to people because you know this too it's it's hard work yeah putting out and building a business is very difficult and people are envious of the fact that you're willing to take the risk and they weren't
1: That's what it is. That's all the hate comes from that.
0: All the hate, but it's jealousy in the process, right? They're they're envious and jealous that you were willing to take the risk and they weren't. It just shows up shows a mirror on them yeah it's like dude. fuck and you're it, fucking up or whatever it's like <laughs> and it gets it gets weird but it's true like and we've all seen this we've all experienced this right somebody gets a pulls ahead and we start at the same time you're like oh you motherfucker like like the competitive <laughs> the, yeah, yeah like yeah. the competitive side of me starts to rage a little bit and same with you because you're competitive yeah. but it's a fun competitive right like we healthy. can go like we can go back and forth and be like oh, your numbers are this this month oh i'm gonna <laughs> come after you dog right but at the end of the day people aren't willing to take that action so mm. for the people that do we understand hey we just have to be smarter and strategic about it and stay in the game longer and in order to do that like you said i only pitched once every two months once Mm. every three months not pitching every week. I don't have sales on my website every week. I almost never run sales inside my business. I'll run value ads. Hey, I'll throw in an extra value ad, but I'm never going to discount the product or the service. Mm. right? It's being strategic. And the way you stack your creative and emotional content paired up with a sale and then follow it up with more value because you're using one of those three pillars and you're really good at attaching to the human needs, whatever six of those you're going after, you're really good at kind of digging at those and pulling those out. That's when we start to see the progress on social. That's when you see people start crushing it because they're utilizing that side of marketing.
1: They're utilizing the emotional side of that. Bro, you're a fucking genius. I could sit here and have this conversation all day, which we're going to have it for, for quite some more time. But, dude, I fucking love, I geek out on this shit too. I do too. And I, yeah, you could tell you do. Fuck, just by fucking how fucking fired up you are about it. But, dude, I think that's such an undervalued thing that what you just hit on right there is the emotion. It, it's everything. People make decisions off emotion, then base it off a of logic afterwards
0: We reason after yeah. the emotion, right? So we'll make the emotional decision whether I like it or I trust it or I want it. Mm-hmm. Then we'll rationalize, oh, yeah, I could really
1: afford that this
0: month. <laughs> oh, you know what? I think I could get away with not having Hulu this month and I could go and get.
1: Them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. dude. Or, Oh dude, I
0: just, I I don't think I'll get that bang this, this morning and I'll put that towards that. Ooh, that'll be nice. <laughs> right. But that indecision is all logical for something emotional. Yeah, that, the emotional decision was made
1: well before the logical yeah. one was. Yeah. Dude, that fucking, uh, going back to what you said about like the fucking the the classified ads yeah (laughs) i was cracking up so many people they and and dude i'm not talking shit to be talking shit because i used to suck at this shit too and i had to figure that out and that's why i invested in shit to figure this shit out but um the the making the people feel with the, like the story cuz like like even if you go to that, that that example you gave of the person that has a pizza joint or whatever and they're just taking pictures of the pizza that like it's fucking stupid but maybe you could talk about how you know one of your team members like stopped during rush hour because they seen a homeless person outside and they ran out and gave them a piece of pizza or some shit. <laughs> I don't know. am making up something crazy, but that's interesting. And that'll capture people's fucking attention. You know what I'm saying? And there's like a motion to it. Cause like, Oh, they care. They went out and helped that person. That was sort of like in everybody, you know what I'm saying? So people can connect to a story. They can connect to emotion. If you, if you get really good at fucking telling stories, Oh my fucking god dude game over yeah dude it's it's fucking game over but uh yeah man I, we could fucking Jim let's hear let's hear some more of these that you yeah on here dude let's do it you didn't tell us your favorite one yet um so I've been really captivated by pricing for
0: probably about six months now I've gone deep into the psychology of pricing and one of the fascinating things that I've found is called precision pricing So the concept is uh is really really simple. It's based around the idea of priming so uh, are you familiar with like what priming is? Yeah, like, uh,
1: so I'm reading, rereading Atomic Habits by James. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And he talks
0: about priming your environment. That's right. Yeah. So the idea that we can set cues inside of our environment that will trigger certain responses out of us. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if I want to, if I want to stop watching as much TV, a behavior to stop that action is to unplug the TV or move it into a different room is how he talks about it same idea right we can prime our environment we can prime behaviors and habits in order to get certain results so that's what I've been fascinated with um, so let's say if you're presented with an, you present an individual with subtle hints or cues you can affect the person's chain of behaviors is essentially how priming is described money related images are some of the most powerful ways that we know how to prime the human brain and it's really interesting there was a psychologist named Kathleen Vose who dedicated years and years to studying the psychology of um, of pricing and how it relates to different strategies so her and colleagues had student subjects read either an essay that mentioned money or they sat facing a poster that pictured different types of currencies. Okay. So imagine that big underdog poster right there, right behind up on the wall, right? And it, like for the S, like you put a dollar sign through it, or if there was a C, you put the cent sign, right? Mm -hmm. That's the type of stuff they would do with it. So students who were primed with money cues took 70% longer to ask for help in solving a difficult problem and spent only half as much time helping other people.
1: When they were primed with When they were
0: primed with the money sign. Okay. Because it triggers such a deep emotional and visceral response out of us to want to save and hoard. Mm. Right. So thinking about different ways and there's I'm going to get into it from what we can learn from what we see inside the restaurant industry with this, too. But before I get into that, um, so half as much spent time helping other people that needed the assistance. But the students who were money primed also preferred to work alone and chose leisurely activities that involved being alone compared to the unprimed subjects. So not only did it make us super insulated right we came inward we started looking at ourselves more and what's going to benefit us versus others but we also weren't willing to help others in the process and mm. we were spent and cut that time so ridiculously this is the stuff that I find really interesting because we see so many ads littered with money yeah it's talking about money um, you know and one of my favorite and it's one of the longest running ads out there is the diamond is forever campaign right never once in any of the diamond is forever campaigns do they mention price no this is the diamond a diamond is forever they'll mention now we have february specials or we have end of year you know specials along with it but we're never going to mention the word discount we're never going to mention the word value we're never going to mention price Mm. for the reason of we know we come insular and we want to save when price is brought up it's the old song and dance right if i tell you hey do you want to buy something No, i'm good you could have actually really used that cup of lemonade or the glass of water or the drink at the bar right because I ask, Mm. So instead, you know, you'll notice waitresses, really good waitresses and waiters will ask, Hey, you good? Yeah, I'm good. Or no, 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 I need something, right? It's not, Hey, do you want to buy another drink?
1: Right? Yeah. How are you? Are you you doing everything?
0: Okay. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. you good. So I want to take a lesson from the restaurant industry. And this is something that we started doing with our internal SOWs or our statement of work, which we turn over when we start doing deals with clients. And this is something we picked up from the restaurant industry. And there's research around this as well. Um, and I'll give you the, actually you have the bibliography of all this too, so you can see all the research in there. Um, Even a single character can make a difference when we're looking at menus, bills, statements of work, it matters. And this Cornell study looked at several common restaurant pricing display techniques. So they looked at whether or not you had the dollar sign with the decimal spot, They looked at whether it was just the dollar sign, if it was just the number, or if it was the price of it spelled out. Mm. Which one do you think converted and had the highest amount of sales? The one spelled out. No. No? The one that was just the number. Just the number? Because reading takes up a lot of cognitive energy. I have to go letter by letter because that's how most people are taught to read unless you've taken like Jim Quick's course and you learn how to chunk, right? So that takes a lot of cognitive energy. When we associate the dollar sign with it, that's a hard price. So like if you ever go to a super fancy restaurant, what do they do next to a lot of the menu items? They just write
1: the numbers. They don't put the dollar sign in the decimal spot. They just put the
0: actual number.
1: And I sometimes I wonder, it's just like a 12 or so. And I'm like, why don't they put the fucking dollar sign?
0: Right because what they started to find inside of that research is that when it's written or scripted prices, they actually don't perform as well because it's spelled out and people most time don't bother to read that, right? So as we're going through, um, they found that guests with numerical prices inside of restaurants spent significantly more than the other two to three groups did, depending on how they separated that out. So when you visit a restaurant and find that those prices are listed like that, know that there's a reason. right just like they'll put today's special and they'll put like like we were talking about the lobster and the filet for decoy pricing same thing man the restaurant industry has had this nailed down for decades they understand that if i put the decoy price up top at a high dollar amount for when i pitch you a 90 dollar meal for a steak and a lobster that way when i pitch you chicken and rice just cooked on a grill and put with some nice vegetable stock (laughs) and i can sell for 30 40 bucks dude
1: that's fucking crazy i'm gonna start fucking <laughs> doing this though dude like i never it's, thought about that but, dude. but it's
0: like you were saying earlier right it's the it's the small one to two percent tweaks yeah everybody's looking for the big massive change that you can put into your business if i can add 10 or 15 of these little one percent shifts dude that's the compound effect on that is yeah. tremendous
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. every because you got to think about it every Depending on the, the Nate, like whether it's just like a Facebook post, even like how I was doing, well, every time you run that offer, it's just converting 15% better every time. Or if it's a fucking like ad that you're running that's constantly getting traffic to it all day long, it's per- performing 15 or 20% better than what it normally did. I mean, fucking do the math, bro. Yeah. Yeah, that's fucking crazy, bro. Dude, I, I, I'm glad that you brought me an extra sheet because I'm going to go deep, deep, <laughs> deep on this shit. You know what? I think I'm going to even, uh, I don't know. I'm going to, if it's possible, which it should be, take like a picture of the shitter or have our show notes, which Lily is a beast. Uh, I've, I've, uh, I'm making this into a lead
0: magnet, and it'll be done by the time this episode launches. So I'll send Perfect. it to you, and we'll be able to get that. Perfect.
1: Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Dude, that's fucking genius, bro. Let's hit it. Let's keep going, dude. I want to keep going. Right. This is fun, dude. I never had... And by the way, if you guys are trying to get on the Underdog Empowerment Podcast, you should do like Alex is doing and bring some fucking uniqueness to it. Like, this is pretty fucking cool, and it's and I'm geeking out on it. I'm having fun, dude. Dude, we've been geeking about psych and neuroscience between each other for like a
0: year now. It's yeah. like, oh, you seen this stuff? You seen how they're doing? <laughs> You see how Billy G did that, dude? Yeah, yeah. All right. So I got one and this one. I know you ain't seen shaving cream in fucking years. (laughs) some of us go to the store and shop for that. (laughs) So I want to talk about decoy pricing. We've talked about it a few times, but we really haven't gotten into how people actually use it or why you would want to use it, especially if you have... An e com store or you have a brick and mortar store that has hard inventory, what we all get stuck with inventory at times, right? And it fucking sucks. I mean, your stuff's online, so that's a little bit different. But at times you're gonna get stuck with inventory. So how do you clear it out, right? So I notice this all the time with toothpaste and shaving cream, is the most common place I see decoy pricing and how they're able to actually move more product of one versus the other. Mm. So what they'll do is, you know, every product has margin in, inside the store. So let's say we've got a shaving cream can that's like this tall. And then we've got one that's maybe like two inches shorter. It's the exact same can. The only thing is that it's bigger, same Mm -hmm. price and everything. They'll purposefully make the bigger one the same price because most of the time they need to move it. Right. And for them, it's got a little bit better margin. So they'll crank through that and just keep pushing the value, you won't think twice, it's the exact same product, right? Or even on the flip side, they can even push the smaller can to you and take 10 cents off and you'll be like, well, it's 10 cents cheaper, even though I could have gotten more out of the other one, (laughs) just because it's 10 cents cheaper. But if you look at it per fluid ounce, the other one's a better deal. Mm -hmm. But people don't wanna do that math. They're just gonna look for that quick heuristic. Uh, And a heuristic is just a mental shortcut. We have them all over, it's how biases are formed too. So going through that process, it's those quick flips back and forth and those last minute decision-making processes that i see a lot of this played out it plays out in toothpaste too you'll see like the double packs of tubes Mm -hmm. and how those are priced and they'll be priced very similarly so they force you into either a 10 cent upgrade so you get the extra white or they'll take it like 15 or 20 cents down but you
1: get less out of the tube (laughs) just because they need to move inventory Wow, dude. <laughs> it's fucking... Dude, because I, I got hip to the decoy effect. I was watching... was that was it? The National Geographic um, where they were talking about the popcorn. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, dude, that's genius. It was like uh, they had the... Uh, I can't remember how they, they did it. They had the small popcorn that was like three bucks. I'm mm-hmm. butchering this, by the way. But it was like three bucks for the small popcorn, five bucks for the medium popcorn, and then for $1.50 more... It was like this fucking giant thing. Unlimited and, refills, baby. Yeah. <laughs> and so they weren't even trying to sell the fucking medium. It was just a decoy. Like, oh, it's only a dollar. And the, the old people were going there. And she's like, like, I'll take a medium. She's like, why are you doing that? You should get the, the large. It's only a dollar fifty more. Look how much more you get or whatever. They weren't even trying to sell the fucking medium. No. It was just it's, fucking. It's there just to pump the other one. Yeah. That's fucking genius, All right.
0: bro. I got one. So uh, one of my favorite brands to watch for marketing is Nike. Mm. I think what they, whether you agree with them as political statement company, that doesn't matter, right? Right. They did a study back in the seventies, which is really, or no, not seventies in the eighties. That was really, really cool. So they took two pairs of Nike shoes. They built identical rooms, just like this right next to each other, put the same, same table, same, everything displayed the shoes exactly the same. In one of the rooms, they put a bouquet of flowers. Okay. in the other room they didn't. They came out and they, they brought people in. They brought them into both rooms and told them to put a price next to the shoe of how much they thought that shoe would be valued as. Just by increasing the sensation in the one room by adding flowers, perceived value went up over 80%. But just putting the flowers in those? Just putting the flowers. The reason being is that there's more of a sensory experience. Mm. So bringing that in, one of the things I've been working a lot with my e-commerce clients on Oftentimes, because it's clothing, it's shoes, it's packages that it come in mylar bags, right? Those thick plastic bags that we all love ripping open, especially when they've got that correlated tab on them and then you get that <laughs> right across it. Once again, integrating sensations into your marketing and being consistent with it. So one of the things we've started doing around these ideas of sensory neuromarketing is that when you rip open the bag on the thank you card or we'll add like a little uh, car tag that's got like, you know, a car freshener in it having a unique smell for the brand. And that's, oh. this is pulled straight from Nike's research because when there's sensations that are attached to things, we perceive an increase of value. Apple does this really good too. Apple is phenomenal at this. Apple spent over $25 million developing their box. And not just the shape of the box, right? Because it's just a fun box, right? Mm-hmm. The pool of a box. And the shininess top, and and The pool of, you know, I'm taking from the base and pulling off to the top. How long is that drag? <laughs> Steve Jobs was obsessed, like literally, like Wozniak has talked about it multiple times, how obsessed he was around these ideas of sensory neuromarketing. He called it customer experience, but it's the same thing, mm. right? When they interact with the product, how do they engage with it? He wanted a three second pool on the box. <laughs> and now it's become industry standard to the point where, like, big, big, like nail polish companies, um, you know, like butcher box has even done this where they've measured the time on average. It takes for somebody to open up their package because if it's any longer, I start to get frustrated and the anticipation builds too much. If it's any shorter, it feels like I'm getting shortcut of the experience. Mm-hmm. Think about when you open up a new phone, right? One of the best fucking experiences in yeah. that fucking plastic
1: pack. Yeah. You get Only more. apples, by the way. Yeah. Well, yeah Droid <laughs> suck, but
0: yeah. <laughs> But it's part of that sensory experience. There's a sound, there's a feel, there's a taste, there's a touch, there's a smell to everything. Yeah, Being consistent across the board with that is so powerful. So imagine you're a clothing brand, right? Or like if you're getting ready to send out underdog stuff, having a unique smell that goes into that bag that every single time somebody opens that package, it's going to smell just like that and i mean we've all gotten packages before we open it's like damn someone was cooking fucking onions in their house when they <laughs> when they were back in this in their living room <laughs> right and it's it's not pleasant but what will remember the new car smell yeah right for me it's i remember uh do you guys have a shoe carnivals out here before yeah. they went under. Yeah. I will always remember the smell of a shoe carnival. Yeah. Because it smells like that deep rich cardboard mixed with new shoe. <laughs> right. I will always remember that smell. And if somebody could put that in a spray and spray it in front of me, I will always remember that because smell dictates 75% of our emotions. Damn. So there's smell is also ten thousand times more impressionable on our memory than any other sensation. Because think about it. Smell is one of the fastest things that could kill us.
1: You said smell dictates 70. Oh, 70.
0: They estimate 75% of our emotional regulation. That comes from Martin Lindstrom. He's got an amazing, amazing book called Biology, where that comes from. Super, super smart guy. But smell is the fastest thing that could kill us growing through evolution, right? We can see fire. We can see a waterfall that in front of us. We could see a cliff dive off, right? We all know that's immediate pain taste is another one we're real fond of but when we look at chefs they understand that it all comes through their nose if you have a stuffed nose you're not going to be able to taste anything mm. so looking at that gastral process it all comes from the nose that also with the nose where that receptor site is in the brain is directly back it's a very short travel our eyes cross and then go back our ears stay on the same and they're on the same side our processing but it's still not as quick as our nose that's crazy. right our eyes can be fooled it's why like sleight of hand magic works yeah. right our ears can be fooled it's why we have music because we're fooling with overlapping tones but what we can't fool very well is our smell mm. right and there's a reason because if i smelt that plant and it meant death right that's it's that's something i want to stay away from and same thing with story right hey, Billy went and smelled this area of this pit, probably had sulfur in it. Billy came back either a, funct- a drunk fucking mess or he came back like almost dead, <laughs> right? We don't want that. I mean, it doesn't progress our evolutionary line. So developing a deep sense of smell so closely related to memory and into our hippocampus and into our amygdala, which is our fight, flight, or freeze response, we're truly able to navigate smell better than any other thing in the world. That's So if you think about the way that you can integrate smell, scent, touch, taste, feel into your brand, now we're getting into neuromarketing. Now we're getting into consistency of branding. That's an overall experience. Disney went as far, do you know about this, to pump the smell of fresh baked chocolate chip cookies into their parks? Mm, I didn't. They did that though? They pumped the smell of fresh baked cookies all across the park. Wow! Because when and realtors do this too, I'm sure you've seen that or heard of that, like where realtors will like bake cookies in the house ahead of time because it's a pleasant smell. I did not know that either. Yeah, that's smart though. But yeah, they are associating happiness it. with an experience. So think about you know one of the most powerful forms of marketing is surprise and delight right? If I can open up a bag that I'm not expecting to get a really nice smelling aroma from, and there's research that I want to go over on some of the best smells to use with this, and I'm giving this shit away for all of your audience (laughs) because it's so good and it's so fascinating. Like, why would you not use something so basic, that two to 3% shift that can drive long-term sales and engagement? So when we're opening up with a few of the brands, when we open up that Mylar bag, what's the smell that you want to be associated with your brand? If you're a female-based brand... Lilacs, oranges, <laughs> something light, right? Seawater. Yeah. If you're something a little bit more male, you want something a little bit more like earthy, a little bit more musky. You're like one of the CBD brands we're working with. We wanted peppermint because it's light and it's refreshing and it's not meant to be heavy on the brain. We don't want them to think they're going to get stoned from it. We want them mm-hmm. to think they're going to have relaxation and peace. We did this inside the float therapy center too that we were doing it, but we did it with diffusers. So we would run diffusers at both locations so we could get the emotional stimulus to be the same of the experience. <laughs> regardless of where location is mm. so as you build and grow and put different franchises around the around the areas across the world the experience even though the location might look different it's the same it's the same because yeah. this is our most powerful memory sensor
1: that's fucking crazy bro no i mean i'm, I'm saying that i'm not just saying that you know what i'm saying I know, I'm, it's great <laughs> i'm like sitting here like what? fuck wow because it just like opened up a whole new fucking shit for me to geek out on now yeah, yeah, that's fucking cool as fuck, dude. So they
0: they tried this out with bars, and they were looking at how you can increase uh, orders and how you can increase price at a bar for people ordering drinks. And they tested this down in Miami. The top three, I, there might be five in here, and they're in the notes too. It's orange, peppermint, and seawater were the top three smells to increase sales in bars. In bars, so they would just nice. pump it out, and people would dance longer. They would feel more energetic they would feel like that they felt more kind of at peace with being there. They didn't feel like they were as much on edge. And we
1: see that a lot with uh, Lemon. Lemon's known to increase attention as well. Wow, dude. So you guys are hearing it now because I'm. this is this is fascinating to me because this year uh, I ran into someone that pretty much convinced me that I need to put out a product line for Underdog. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I pulled the Facebook group and everybody was like, yeah, and like, you should do some supplements, some clothing, and all this and that. that was, those were the two big ones. But, um, now I could really even geek out on this even more because you can get more sensory with physical products, you know right. what I'm saying,
0: especially clothing, yeah, because it'll seep it'll yeah. right and and think about this when you would walk into a mall, what are the clothes what are oh, I gave it away, but what are the stores that? pump out the most smells.
1: Yeah. shoe carnival. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's Abercrombie and Fitch. It's Hollister. It's, yeah. you know, it's all these stores that have super upmarked product prices, but when you're there, it's that experience. Starbucks actually flirted with this idea too for a while. And they still do. Um, when they introduced their breakfast line, You know, they have their egg biscuit that they have there. They yanked it off the market for eight months when they first introduced it because the Starbucks stores started to smell like egg Mm. and they didn't want that. They wanted you to smell when you left, right? Because we all can smell when we leave a Starbucks and we smell like coffee. That's on purpose. Right, because they want you to smell that and be that type of energy around other people, because they're going to pick up on the coffee too. They don't want you smelling like egg,
1: right? Because that doesn't,
0: right? (laughs) You know, nobody wants to smell like egg coming out of there. But (laughs) smelling like coffee is not really that bad, right? It's kind of energizing. Oh yeah, I got got my coffee. I'm jamming. So they ended up losing millions and millions of dollars because they pulled their product back for eight months until they could refine the process of how they actually make the egg when they're there so all they're doing is really heating up the bun and if they put cheese on it or not for you the eggs really already cook they're just heating it mm. so it
1: doesn't produce that egg smell out into the atmosphere that's fucking <laughs> that's wild i didn't know how deep that shit went though but now you think about it like anywhere you go you could see it if if not everywhere but most places though that you go you could see that neuro marketing being injected into it some way some shape or form that's maybe.
0: what i was saying man all these big companies they understand at the core of this we have to hijack the emotional center of the brain what's the fastest mm. way to do that sensations mm, bro store good story
1: combines all sensations hijack the emotional center of the brain That's, uh, that's the, that's the whole, I feel like that is like the theme of this whole entire interview that we had here was like, (laughs) let's hijack some brain stems, baby. (laughs) Emotional. You know what I'm saying? Dig deep into that. Yeah, a lot of people don't get, all right, so I'm going to, I'm going to shift gears here. Yeah. I'm going to get to a personal question. Okay. So we talked right before we hit record here and you're asking me, you seen that I had the guitar lessons on my daily goals and I was like, Hey, I'm getting my kids into it or whatnot. And you're a big guitar player. Yeah. Why do you love the guitar so much?
0: It's flow state for me. Mm.
1: I, that's the fastest way I know how to get into flow and out of my head. Nice.
0: And it's very much a meditative process. So going back to sensation and perception, right? Dialing in and just listening to music saying, okay, if I want to learn a song, I sit down and I'll just close my eyes and just listen to it over and over and over on repeat until I really get the flow of the song, the vibe, the tone then going through, and it's the process of learning. I love sucking at things. Mm -hmm. so And that's what's so great about guitars. Anytime you wanna go learn a new song, you're instantly back to square one. Mm -hmm. So it's that constant, and it's the same thing that I liked about jujitsu as well. Anytime there's a new move or a new position, you're constantly being humbled back to square one of you ain't shit. Mm -hmm. And then it's going through that process of building that skill up and then practicing my set list or my playlist of the songs that I know Staying on top of them, staying fresh and allowing that to roll through.
1: I like the way you put that, bro, because um, I put it, I'm the same way in the sense, not like exact, but but how you said, I love sucking that shit or whatever. I, I I say that I love digging deep and mastering something because there's fun whenever you're still learning it, right? Yeah. And then once you master it, it's still cool, but it's like, all right, what's next? You know what I'm saying? It's like, totally. yeah, I love that aspect, dude. That's how you can tell you fucking go deep on some shit, man. Dude, it's the
0: best way. Why? Why live life at Mm. forty
1: percent? i mean why Uh, exactly all right dude so this has been a fucking incredible episode we went longer than than the average but it was fucking amazing and we're gonna have to do a follow-up by the way on this absolutely i want to do i'm serious like you got an invite to come back out here i want to start going deep on this shit and i want to bring you back on and and then so i can geek out with you because i was like there's some parts i was like damn this dude's fucking smart (laughs) 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 but uh um i do
0: what were you about to say? I've learned so much from you, man. In the last year, I'm super grateful for it. And I'm so happy that we've uh, been able to develop a relationship and really just get to know each other more and help provide value for each other. It's what this is all about, man. Life's not Hell, meant yeah. to be a solo journey. Amen, dude.
1: It's been fucking fun, dude. And it's only just getting started too, man. We're fucking connected in major ways, big our network, everything. So it's fucking awesome. But uh, I want to ask you now, Um, I got this one question, right? That, you know, we've just been jamming organically conversations that's been flowing, but I got the one question that I ask every single guest on here that comes on the show, and I'm excited to get your um, feedback, your perspective on this. And so the question is, if you had to start over today with absolutely nothing, no relationships, no money, no resources, the only resources that you got are the wisdom and the knowledge that you've gained through your experience, what's the first piece of advice that you give yourself as an underdog entrepreneur to get a head start? Go build my network. <laughs> what's that? What's that saying? Uh, you could do. What's this? What's the fucking cliche they say? You could do. It's not who you know, or it's not what you know. It's who you know. I, I like the one. Uh, your, your network is your net worth. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, so many people undervalue that shit, and especially in today's day, dude, you get those fucking Instagram messages, those Facebook messages, where somebody you don't even fucking know, and you just become friends with them, or they just start following you, and then they start fucking pitching you and shit, I'm like, bro, you're not even building a relationship right now. (laughs) Hey, (laughs) brother! Hey, bro! Oh, Joey's our video guy. I'm pretty sure he's gonna pull something funny right there. <laughs> Make a cool little funny video off of that. But that's exactly how they be, right? Yeah. And it's like, bro, like chill the fuck out. You all jacked up on Mountain Dew and doing shit. You don't even know me. Why are you coming at me like a fucking? You know what I'm saying? It's like, damn, bro. But uh, nah, man. Relationship capital by far everything, dude. I couldn't agree more. Appreciate that answer. So. For everybody tuning in right now and they want to come check you out and everything that you got going on, where's the best place that we can come find you at?
0: Absolutely, man. Um, we're in Clubhouse. We're kicking it in there almost every day. The podcast is the Hidden Falls Media Experience. Check us out. Our company's name is Hidden Falls Media, and we are the premier neuromarketing company in the world. The premier. The, just like <laughs> the
1: Ohio State. For those those that want to be pretentious, we'll let them have it. Yeah. Amen, dude. Make sure you guys do that. Matter of fact, right now, while you're I mean it's the end of this episode. Pull out your fucking phone. Because most of you are listening from your phone, per Nielsen Research. Um, pull out your phone, whether you're on a desktop, whatever type go go fucking over to the podcast right now and what i want you to do when you go over there subscribe you don't have to listen to the episode right now but if you're going to continue doing it do it right now but what i do want you to do right now is subscribe so that you can come back and drop a five-star written review if you're on apple um that way you're showing some underdog love man because alex came over here and brought the heat today and we're definitely gonna be doing a follow-up thank you for coming on the show my man thank you for being dude i loved it thank you so much